Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi, guys. Welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Hello. October's yeah. over. Sad it face. Is. Now we're in November, mm-hmm. which reminds me of something. I, I, uh, I think, I think I'm meant to remember something. <laughs> what was the date? Mm, something about the fifth of November. Oh no, it's the sixth. Oh, oh, we missed it. Oh well, I guess we can talk about it. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, hey guys, so we will be talking as we mentioned a little bit ago. Uh, when we were doing Halloween traditions and we were talking about fireworks, mm-hmm. I said that we don't really do fireworks on uh, Halloween itself. And that's because our ha- our firework day is a week later on the 5th of November. Which is why we're told to remember, remember the 5th of November. Uh, and I can never remember the rest of it. <laughs> so... It's a very... I mean, it's actually a very long... Yes, um, but we're told to remember it, and I don't. Uh, I do remember the, the remember, remember bit, but that's, that's all I've got. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I feel like everyone at least remembers that, especially yeah. now because of um, V for Vendetta. Yes, that's true. Uh, it did come up in that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, uh, remember, remember the 5th of November, the gun, plowder, treason, and plot. And then there's a whole lot more to it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm going to read it, because why not? <laughs> All right. Remember, remember, the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Guy Fawkes and his companions did the scheme contrive to blow the king and parliament all up alive. Three score barrels laid below to prove old England's overthrow. But by God's provid- providence, him they catch, with a dark lantern lighting a match. A stick and a stake, for King James's sake. If you won't give me one, I'll take two. The better for me, the worse, and the worse for you. A rope, a rope, to hang the Pope. A penorth of cheese to choke him. A pint of beer to wash it down and a jolly good fire to burn him. Hola, boys, hola, boys, make the bells ring. Hola, boys, hola, boys, God save the king. Hip, hip, hooray. Mm-hmm. So, going from the four horsemen into this lovely topic, <laughs> <laughs> we, we really know how to pick them, don't we? Uh, you know, I mean, okay. yeah. what you going to well, do? Yeah, so a lot of countries have the days that they celebrate with fireworks and stuff. Obviously, for America, it's the 4th of July. For France, it's the 14th of July, where they celebrate... I believe I had it up. Where is that information? Because I had it right here. Uh, oh, um, the Bastille Day, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The day of the Bastille. And we have the 5th of November, which is the day we foiled a plot to assassinate King James by blowing up the House of Parliament, which was being opened on the same day. The reason it's called 
uh, Guy Fawkes Day is because Guy Fawkes was the person who was charged with actually setting the place ablaze. And unfortunately, he was caught before he could get a chance to. Um, well, unfortunately, yeah. quote unquote. <laughs> okay, depending on your perspective. For, for the plotters, unfortunate. Fair because enough. it did result in them all being captured, executed for high treason, and then draw, uh, dr- uh, hung, drawn, and quartered. Mm-hmm. But we're getting just slightly ahead of ourselves. Uh, let's talk about who was actually involved in the plot. Uh, the participants were Robert Catesby, John and Christopher White, Robert and Thomas Windower. Uh, Wintour, sorry. <clears throat> Thomas Percy, Guy Fawkes, the one everyone will, will have heard of. Mm-hmm. Robert Keyes, Thomas Bates, John Grant, Ambrose Rookwood, Sir Everard Digby, and Francis Tresham. Now, the reason that this plot was created is because during King Henry VIII's rule, which is obviously going back a little bit because we're talking about it first. Everyone knows that King Henry VIII got a bit frisky and wanted more than one wife. Yeah. Something that uh, the yeah. Catholics, or and specifically the Catholic Pope, would not allow him to do. They would not allow him to divorce and marry again. Wasn't allowed. Right. So the king, like any good king, said, Fine, I'll make my own. What are you going to do? Stop me? Obviously they didn't, because he made the Protestant Church of England and made himself the head. Meaning that he could make any rules that he liked. So suddenly, divorce was legal. Mm-hmm. And he went through the wives, divorce beheaded, died, divorce beheaded, survived. Everyone knows. and But the separation is what's important here, because now this had produced a new tie of Christianity within the UK. Uh, something that was followed by the monarchs, so it was followed by everyone, at least outwardly, because at this point we were still cutting people's heads off. Yeah. So you didn't want to be disagreeing with the monarchs. Yeah, well, and it it caused a lot of turmoil also between the different religious groups in England at the time, because oh, absolutely, a lot of people obviously, like Russ just said, they were going to follow what the king and the royal family was doing, because that's what you did. But then there yes. were still people who were devoutly Catholic mm-hmm. and remained Catholic. Yes. Which is what we'll get to in a minute. Uh, the Protestant rule in England was maintained and strengthened through the long reign of Queen Elizabeth I. Mm-hmm. But obviously Queen Elizabeth didn't have any children when she died in 1603. Um, her cousin James VI, sixth of Scotland became King James I of England at this point. Uh, James had not been on the throne long before he started to upset Catholics within his kingdom. Although, to be fair, he wasn't so much in favour of executing Catholics. He was okay with um, deporting them or sending them away to other, uh, other places. Yeah, so it was kind of like a frying pan fire situation because, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I mean, 
I don't know a ton about this period of history in England. You you'll probably know more. I do know that there was a lot of more, yeah. I know that there's a lot of turmoil. I know there was a lot of religious persecution by the Protestants towards the Catholics because obviously the Catholics started to become a minority since the king and the royal family were the Protestants and the Church of England. Specifically Church of England. I should probably just call it the Church of England. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, this... It, it because it was so similar to what everyone else was believing. Some people were fine just with that transition, but obviously, everyone kind of knew that it would been created for the sake of the king. Oh yeah, um, or at least at Henry the Eighth. So you can understand why some people didn't want to change because of that. But if you spoke too outwardly about it, you could end up dead. That that was just how it is. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, King James didn't really do much to help the Catholic presence in uh, within the within the UK, which is how this plot started to come about. Uh, because the the initial members of this were all Catholic. Right. Well, and I think part of the impetus, if I'm remembering from our notes, uh, yeah, was that he he actually ordered all of the Catholic priests to leave the country. Yeah, like, like, uh, so he preferred to just get rid of them that way than kill them. Mm-hmm. But you got to you got to think about that rationally. If you're being forced out of the country you lived in and like have lived your whole life, that's pretty much as good as killing you. It's just taking a while because the, how like most people aren't going to be able to adapt as if you could now, where you have no money, no no knowledge of anything that you're going into mm-hmm. um, so yeah so yeah a lot of people weren't happy about it so yeah a group of Roman Catholic nobles and gentlemen led by Robert Catesby conspired to essentially end the Protestant rule with perhaps the biggest bang in history their plan was to blow yeah. up the king, the queen, the church leaders assorted nobles and the houses of parliament uh, with 36 mm-hmm. barrels of gunpowder strategically placed within the cellars of the Palace of Westminster, uh, which they are very—they're very close to each other, by the way. Um, they're, they're essentially right next to each other in the UK. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So that's why it was still going to be enough to cause enough of a bang for every to to get rid of both buildings at once. And it was planned to take place on the 5th of November. In fifteen oh five, sorry, that sixteen oh five. I nearly mm-hmm. said fifteen oh six. I I got the the the, <laughs> the 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 big numbers mixed up. See, so, yeah, uh, fifteen uh sixteen oh five. I'm bad with numbers. This is gonna happen a bit. <laughs> All right. No worries. Yeah, and so, yeah. it's um, it's interesting that they they kind of foiled themselves by trying yes. not to hurt their fellow Catholics, which is something that I think is interesting. I mean, you can understand why they wouldn't, because the Catholics had already suffered enough at this point. No, that's very but, true. Yeah. Uh, also, just uh, a small aside, the reason why Fawkes was or Guy Fawkes was set to be the one to set off the explosives, it's because he had 10 years of military experience fighting in the Spanish Netherlands. Mm -hmm. So, for some reason, they thought that that meant he could handle explosives better. 
apparently not because it didn't work out. But to be fair, it's not entirely his fault that uh, that got found out. Uh, the plot was revealed to the authorities in, a no- in an anonymous in an anonymous letter sent to William Parker, the fourth Baron uh, of Monteagle, Monteagle, I think, I, on the twenty yeah, sixth of October. It. Yeah, on the twenty sixth of October, in sixteen o five. So, whether that was from a inside job like where someone was giving information to the authorities about it or they were just not careful enough with their planning and let something slip that is how the authorities came to find Guy Fawkes mm-hmm. at the end of the 4th of uh, of November ready to light the, the place getting yourself ready to because it takes a while to set up 36 kegs of, of gunpowder so yeah um Many of the conspirators obviously fled from London when they learned of the plot's discovery, trying to enlist support along the way. Several made a stand against the pursuing Sheriff of Worcester. Uh, Worcester? Worcester? I, I can never say it. And Worcestershire? Men, Worcestershire. Thank you. You're better at them than mine. Catesby <laughs> uh, was uh, one of the people who was shot and killed as they ran. Uh, and uh, all the rest of them were put on trial in 1606 with eight of the survivors, including Fawkes, were being uh, convicted of high treason. And they were all hung, drawn, and quartered. And just because it's super fun to talk about, let's talk about what that means. Okay, uh-huh. to be hanged, drawn, and quartered uh, was oh, uh, a statute. Uh, tri- so probably just like a content warning oh, if you yeah. have. Oh, Th- yeah. Thank I you. Mean, we're not going to get super descriptive with it, but content no. warning, if you happen to be listening with children, okay. stop. Yeah. Yep, that, that's fair. Thank you. You're better mm-hmm. at this than I am. So yes, um, <laughs> to be hung, drawn, and quartered was a statutory penalty in England for men convicted of high treason. Uh, although the it was first recorded in the reign of King Henry III, uh, a convicted trailer was fastened to a hurdle or wooden panel and drawn by horse to the place of execution. So you can imagine that being quite painful. Mm-hmm. They were then hunged. And this is the bit which is a bit almost to the point of death. Yeah. Almost. They wouldn't actually hang them to death. No. Uh, then they would emasculate them, which... I don't know if I need to say any more there. I I hope not. No. Disemboweled. Mm-hmm. Beheaded. And also, just to point out, they're not dead until they're beheaded. So those uh, those ones, uh, they feel. Just a bit. Uh, and then quartered, which the body is then chopped into four pieces. Into four rather large pieces with the head already off. Mm-hmm. And then the pieces are sort of paraded round a little bit. That was what we did for capital punishment in the UK. And the death penalty for treason was abolished in 1998, which is really recently. Yeah, although I don't know of any times it was used in recent history. No. I think it's just uh, they hadn't officially removed it from the books as being allowed. No, the the last time someone could be hung, drawn, and quartered was in 1870. 
So that was abolished a long time ago, but general treason death penalty was removed in 1998. But yes, you're right, it had been a long time since it had been used. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's basically the outline of of the plot. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably a good place to go for our break and then we can come back we can talk a little bit more about the lead up to it and uh and then carry on with that and then we can wrap up this episode yes well and you could talk about the the way that it's celebrated over there because i think that's interesting too yes that's that's yeah we can talk about that after okay so we'll be back Mm -hmm. in a couple minutes thanks So hi everyone and welcome to this week's mid-roll. So uh, once again, we somewhat unintentionally brought you a topic that's a little more depressing, although this one we're coming at from a more historical standpoint as opposed to apocalypse. Yes, and this one's very timely, so it made sense to do it now. (laughs) Also true. Um, So we want to start off the mid-roll, of course, by talking about our amazing sponsors. So I want to talk to you about World Anvil. World Anvil's the most robust, and comprehensive campaign management and world building software available online today. Uh, and you don't have to take just my word for it, they won an any, if you don't believe me. So you could definitely look them up. It's worldanvil.com. If you're a DM trying to build your world, if you're an author trying to flesh out the world of your stories, whatever the case may be, if that is something that you need or want, it's an amazing website to check out. They're constantly doing updates and adding new features. You can link different characters and put relationship statuses in there for the characters and things like that. It's a really useful and amazing tool. And that's worldanvil.com. Also supporting the network are the fabulous, wonderful people over at castlediehard.dieharddice.com. Dieharddice.com create the most wonderful, spectacular, spithendous dice that we have the pleasure of using every time we play mm-hmm. D&D or any of our RPG games. They're absolutely gorgeous. They specialize in their metal dice, which they put a lot of love, handcrafted, hand-molded, or, or at least creating the molds for them, uh, designed into them. They test all their colors in-house as well. They create, uh, they've also got their dual color series, um, which are called Spellwinder, yep. which always look amazing. You can pretty much find whatever kind of metal dice you'd like. If you're not super a fan of the uh, big chunky dice, you can also find amazing polymer dice through them, uh, both their own uh, molds and with their own purple moonstone set and other ones that you can find on there. They've got so many options that you can search by class, by color. Uh, by anything that you want they've got the scroll of rolling for their accessories I'm never going to stop talking about it it's amazing <laughs> it, it's just it's it's portable D&D and that's the best thing uh, so yeah yes. if you want to go and head a look through their site and find anything you like you can use the code GeekDaySelf to get 15% off your next or first or next order uh, that's 1515 so yeah uh if you want to roll with the best, just go to dieharddice.com. All right, and with that, let's get back into this week's topic. Also, guys, just a reminder, our Nerds Giving event is now going on. We are five days into it, still ten more days to go. All the money that will be that's being raised this time is going to E for International, which is a charity that uh, is all about helping people get food, 
and how to maintain uh, livestock and all that kind of thing to help people with what they actually need. They're a great organisation, any money that you can spare to help them would be great. If not, just come and enjoy the shows that we're putting on. Alright, okay. thank you very much. Okay, welcome back guys. Alright, um, unfortunately we, I did try and look if there was any information on who actually wrote that letter uh, to uh, the authorities about the plot and unfortunately while it's anonymous it obviously sometimes there could be like leads on stuff there isn't really anybody who's sort of marked as a specific target mm-hmm. which kind of suggests that it came from outside of the the group of conspirators which makes sense because they all knew that they would be uh, trialed for high treason if it did come about so which of course it did yeah, well, it's it's interesting, too. There's, um, I mean, the letters were anonymous, but obviously there's speculation that if not one of the direct conspirators, maybe one of their family members or somebody sent the letters informing the different lords not to be at Parliament that day. But it was also kind of thought to be a bit of a hoax at the time. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't know that bit. Mm-hmm. So what they checked beneath the building on the October 30th and discovered that nothing had been disturbed. And um, one of the servants of Lord Monteagle told the conspirators that the letter had been discovered and had made its way to people in authority, but they were also told that uh, people thought it was a hoax. Well, I suppose if nothing had been sort of altered by that point, they might have thought so. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we can actually talk a little bit more about Guy Fawkes, because obviously we already talked about why uh, out of the men he was the one charged with actually setting up the the gunpowder. Um, mm-hmm. He was a convert to the Catholic faith, uh, so yep, and had spent several years fighting in Italy, which we'd already talked about. He also changed his name to Guido, in, which is Italian for Guy, uh, while he was mm-hmm. while he was there. Uh, so yep, and we know that he was arrested in the early hours of the morning of the fifth of November. So, um, in a cellar under the House of Lords, next to the thirty-six kegs of gunpowder, with a box of matches in his pocket, and apparently a guilty mm-hmm. expression on his face. Um, so yeah. Uh, by that point, he was getting things ready to um, set it off. And the reason they picked that day specifically is because that's the day the House of Parliament was actually going to be opened. So they assumed that there would be a lot of their main targets there. Obviously, the king would be there to open the building because that mm-hmm. is uh, something there, which was their main target. Right. But they also they also weren't against targeting some other members of that sort of... Um, the, the parliament for whatever reasons obviously there were a lot of men so they probably all had their members so yep uh, under torture Guy Fawkes ad- identified the names of his co-conspirators uh, many of the many of the relations were Catholic gentlemen like we already discussed three of them were killed uh, sorry uh, Caseby and three others were killed by soldiers uh, soldiers while they attempted to escape while the remaining eight were imprisoned in the Tower of London because that's where we used to put treasoners uh, before being tied, uh, before being tried for an executive high treason. Hmm. 
Uh, apparently, they were the first people in about 300 years to uh, be hung, drawn, uh, and quartered. Before that, the the last person to be drawn like that was William Wallace, which is a fun fact. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, if they reserved it for things like high treason, it kind of makes yeah. sense. Yes, uh, they weren't. Uh, yeah, capital punishment like that was only reserved for high treason. Mm-hmm. Okay, so skipping forward a bit now, Bonfire Night, celebrating yes. on the same night, is it's essentially mocking the fact that it was that it failed, which is how it was sort of portrayed as a celebration throughout the following years of that time, because obviously the plot to kill the king had failed. Yay, long live the king! So essentially, what would happen is they build, they would build big big fires and then throw straw men on them uh, which were meant to represent Guy Fawkes obviously being the scapegoat for um, for the plot and the one actually found going to light up the place mm-hmm. um, and that essentially turned into that celebration of um, um, victory I guess in a, in like a loose way and obviously, then when we started using fireworks, it's now it's now become less about that in general. It's now just become about making big bonfires and having a fun night with fireworks. Uh, yeah, it's very, more like just a party time now, as opposed yeah. to when it first became a, a standard yeah. thing to do. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a bonfire with a sort of straw man thrown onto it anymore. Uh, I don't believe that's done too much. <laughs> um I'm going to be honest. But that's essentially what it started out as, essentially a ha-ha, we, we, we foiled the plan and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I know um, from what I've seen and read, historically some of the effigies that they'll, they've will they burned over the years are sometimes political mm-hmm. yeah. effigies. So it's not always Guy Fox. I think a, a lot of times more recently it's been depicted as Guy Fox, but historically there were times where it was different political party leaders um and also uh when um uh one of the heir as a parent to the throne of england converted to catholicism there were a lot of people who burned effigies of the pope and i think there's still some people who burn effigies of the pope but it's probably not as common or as well looked at as it was at the time uh, no, probably not. Uh, I do have a small sort of rundown of like important um, uh, like tidbits of like lead mm-hmm. up days. We'll go from the third, the third of October in sixteen o five. The uh, the meeting of Parliament put off till the fifth of November. Yeah, so that's why their plans changed because um, that's when the the new date for opening the Parliament was going to be put on. Uh, the fourteenth of October. Uh, Francis uh, Tresham joined the plot and then on the 21st Sir Everard Digby joined on the 26th is when Lord Montague received a mysterious letter advising him not to attend the state opening of Parliament he takes the letter to the King's Minister Robert Cecil Earl of Salisbury on the 31st of October after after a hunting trip in Herefordshire the King returns to London and is told about the letter the following day on the 1st or the 2nd of November, uh, Catesby and Winter accuse Tresham, Montague's brother-in-law, 
are being an informer. Uh, so that is the main sort of person who is perhaps like the most likely to be like the informer of this anonymous letter because obviously being a brother-in-law you don't want to see your brother-in-law get hurt Mm -hmm. which of course that's how that kind of got out and he also was one of the last few to join the plot by this point so obviously if maybe he's not totally trustworthy it could be like that uh yeah um and then on the third, the conspirators meet and decide to still continue with their plans, even though they know there's been a letter delivered. Fourth uh, of November, Thomas Percy has dinner with his uncle, the Earth, the Earl mm-hmm. of Northumberland, the Lord of the Chamberlain, the Earl of Suffolk, uh, ex- inspects the House of Lords and the buildings around it. Acting on Suffolk's report, the King orders a full search under the auspices uh, auspices. A Westminster of of a Westminster magistrate, uh, Sir Thomas, Kenvit, uh, Kenvit discovers Fawkes, who gives a fake name of John Johnson, <laughs> when he's arrested. I'm sorry, I've just got John Johnson. John yeah, I mean... Johnson. Okay. Uh, so yep. On the 5th of November, the Catholic gentry in the Midlands gather to hunt the, as arranged by Catesby. The conspirators leave London and disperse. Catesby arrives at the rendezvous in the Midlands to explain what has happened. Parliament meets briefly and the, uh, and the plot's discovery is recorded in the Journal of the House of Commons. Proclamation declared by the rebels as traitors. Uh, the conspirators arrive at Holbill Beach in Staffordshire. That's where I'm from. That's fun. At, uh, at the Tower of London, uh, uh, Fawkes makes the first of a series of confessions. Local militia attack Holbirth House. Catesby, Percy and the Wright brothers are killed and everyone else is captured on the 8th of November. On the 9th of November, the Parliament's opened because obviously they pushed it back after uh, after, after that um, and then a King's speech is uh, given describing the plot. Uh, on the 23rd of December, Francis Tresham dies of natural causes in the Tower of London. Debatable. <laughs> uh, mm. uh, because they, I think they're all tortured at this point. Probably. Natural causes with quotation marks. Natural causes, yeah. Uh, the 15th of January, 1606. Proclamation ensued, issued for the arrest of a number of, high, uh, of Catholic priests who are implicated in the plot, including Henry Garnet and Oswald Tesmoyd, uh, I think. And then Parliament hmm. reassembles. And then on the 27th of January, Digby, Grant, Fawkes, Keyes, Rookwood, Robert and Thomas Winter tried before a special commission in Westminster Hall. Henry Garnet is captured at Himglip House in Worcestershire. And then on the 30th of January, uh, Digby, Robert, Winter, Grant and Bates executed in St. Paul's, Paul's churchyard. And then the day after, Fawkes, Rookwood, Thomas Winter and Keyes are executed in Old Palace Yard, Westminster. All of those are hung, drawn and quarters. And then slightly later, because obviously Garnet was uh, captured later, Garnet is tried at the Guildhall, London, by a special commission, prosecuted by Attorney General Sir Edward Coke. He is found guilty and executed on May the 3rd of that year. So, obviously there's a big gap between the execution stuff because they were still gathering information from Guy Fawkes at this point. 
but that is essentially the run-up of the the dates of like important things that happen along those sort of days and about how mm-hmm. the ones that didn't get kept captured were killed while they attempted to flee and that kind of thing so yeah i think that covers a lot of the information also the the first meeting for uh, the conspirators was actually as early as the 20th of May in 1604 so uh, they had been planning this for a fair amount like over a year by the time it actually came to it but they yeah. decided to wait until the opening of parliament to hit as many targets as they could in January 1606 during the first sitting of parliament since the plot and the observance of the 5th of November act in 1605 was passed Making services and sermons commemorating the event an annual feature of English life. So, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet, bonfires are lit in Britain every 5th of November to commemorate the failure of this plot. Yes. And that's where the poem or rhyme comes from. Now, there's, there's the longer version that Russ read, and then the version that I think is more commonly heard. Yeah. Um, is just the short single first verse, which, you know, remember, remember the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason, and plot. I see no reason the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Yeah, and that's uh, essentially a nursery rhyme based on the longer poem. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, we still light bonfires on the 5th of November, but it's the, 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 the importance of it being... Um, the failure of the plot is very much diminished now in present day. <laughs> yeah, now it's just become a holiday. It's very much like the the way that the um, the history behind Halloween is actually somewhat religious, and there was like you know All Souls Day and all this kind of stuff. And then over time and different traditions adding into it, it just has changed into. Well, specifically, the American version has changed into what we now know with the trick-or-treating and the decorations and the costumes and... Yeah, well, I think, I feel like also more recently, um, people outside of England became at least a little bit more aware of the existence of Guy Fawkes Day and some of what was involved in it because of the popularity of the V for Vendetta movie. Yes, definitely, that's... It's a very similar kind of plot, obviously, with them trying to take down... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if it was, like, full monarchy. I think it was just general sort of rule and promoting anarchy, I think. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, honestly, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, well, in the... So, for anyone who hasn't seen V for Vendetta, the main character, V, goes running around with a Guy Fox mask on for the entire movie. Um, and he quotes the the Guy Fox gunpowder treason poem quite heavily. And um, without giving away, like, spoilers for the end of the movie or anything, um, essentially what's going on is that in that version of England, in the movie, the government has become excessively oppressive and is also oppressing people who have different sexualities and things like that. So, um... So it's become very author- author- 
authoritarian. Authoritarian. Thank you. My math just isn't working today. But it's fine because you know how to say all these fun words. Yes, yeah. The government in that alternate version of England has become extremely authoritarian and they are anti uh, homosexual as well as being anti um, religions that don't line up with what they think should be the right religion. Um, for one character at a point in the movie, is showing Natalie Portman's character. I don't remember her character's name right now, but is showing her care is showing her character his collection of artifacts and things he has. He has a Quran, like this beautiful, beautiful uh, Quran, which is the yeah, which is the um, Islamic religious text, and he has it not because he himself is Muslim, but because he's he uh, admires it for its beauty and its historical value and it's you know the fact that it shouldn't necessarily be something that people have to have be oppressed it's not something that people should be um targeted for being from a different religion so he has it for all of those kinds of reasons which are good reasons just, yeah he has it as like a respect so he's he's showing her these things and explaining that he has them for these reasons and um, the, basically the government is just being incredibly oppressive and anti-anything that doesn't line up with a very certain set of ideals. Yeah. Obviously the UK isn't quite that bad. No. <laughs> uh, although Brexit would... Uh, you know what? No. No. I'm not going to open that can <laughs> of worms. No. Stopping there. Yeah. There's a reason that other than a few personal opinions, I've avoided politics as a topic on yep. on this uh, this podcast. <sighs> yeah, that's fair. Because I don't want to open that can of worms. No, I nearly did. And you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So we're not going <laughs> to. With that, I think that's a fairly good point to, to end this episode talking about like the modern day interpretation of how that could be needed again uh, and about how we enjoy setting off fireworks and we wish people only did it on the day they're supposed to do it because pets <laughs> because yes. because pets but apart from that thank you for listening to us talk about the gunpowder plot uh, yes. sorry for doing two downer episodes in a row uh, we're not going well I suppose yeah. this one failed so I suppose it ends on a good note but that's true, yeah. Lots and lots of people didn't die. Just yes. a few people died. And they probably deserve it. Whether <laughs> they deserve to be hung, drawn, and quartered, that's up for debate. Yeah, but, yeah that's debatable. <laughs> so, yeah, now we'll hopefully look at more happy or at least less gruesome topics for the rest yes. of the year. Now we're out of Halloween uh, month. Well, maybe. Or at least for a while. Maybe maybe a couple of weeks. <laughs> I mean, because the thing is, if we cover something historical, yeah. there's a good chance that at least part of it's depressing. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Depending on the history of it. But I do promise that despite the tie-in with this week's episode, we won't do the history of Henry VIII's rule next. No, no. that's incredibly depressing. There's a lot of depressing <laughs> stuff there, but we might do it at some point. <laughs> Yeah, but probably not next week. <laughs> no, no, not next week. Uh, but mm -hmm. until next week, we will see you later. 
Uh, if you want to get yeah. in contact with us, come to the Discord and the Nerdsmith Discord. We we're, we're in there a lot. We talk. Yes, this is very true. Mm-hmm. You can tag us, and yeah, we'll 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 be summoned there, uh, like through our teleportation circles, and then we can chat about all <laughs> things fun, history, depressing history. Or whatever. Yeah. We're happy to talk. Or you can yeah. toss out some ideas for episodes. Yes. We're happy to hear them. Absolutely. Because, yeah, we want to we wanna do things about what you want to know. Um, exactly. So yeah. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you soon, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. Bye.